Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Welcome to another episode of the Empowered Hormones podcast. Today, I have the privilege of speaking to Libby. Libby's a Sydney-based nutritionist, a personal trainer, and a CrossFit coach with over 10 years' experience working with females like me to achieve their fitness and nutrition goals. She specializes in teaching athletic women how to eat in a pro-metabolic way without restrictive diets so that they can build a healthy athletic body. And as someone who has done slash doing Olivia's program, I can attest to how great it is. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat. Uh, so for those who don't know you, even though I think a lot of my followers have an idea of who you are because I share your stuff quite a bit, can you tell those listening who you are, what you do, and you know what your passions are? Sure. So I'm Libby Westcombe, and I've been a I've been in the industry for over ten years now. But it did kind of start with that CrossFit aspect. So I obviously had done like my personal training and that certification, and I became a trainer. And then I got when I met my partner, he was into CrossFit, so we got into it that way. And from there, I became a CrossFit coach. So it was kind of that natural progression. Um, I was doing a lot of CrossFit competitions, like. Um, very, very high intense training, you know, really full schedules. Um, some days we used to do like Saturday morning team training and we'd do it for like four hours straight, like on an empty stomach, no snacks in between. Like it was just full on. Like, so I, I kind of have that whole idea of what it's like to train super hard, which I think has benefit benefited me with the type of women that I work with, because I have that understanding. I think that some you know, especially in the pro-metabolic world, there's often that whole opposite side where it's people that they definitely aren't athletes, they haven't trained hard, they don't know what it's like to push their body in that way, but they have like other issues, they've got a lot of health issues, you know, gut issues, all that kind of stuff. But having this knowledge and experience, I think has benefited me a lot because I can help the women who are in that position. So the women who might have thyroid issues, metabolism issues, um, but just all from that discrepancy of energy between their output and their input. So that's like what it comes down to for me is that discrepancy in energy. And as I was CrossFit coaching, I was also doing my nutrition studies. And I was, it's funny because I used to do like the paleo, trying to do the paleo. I didn't do it properly. <laughs> yeah. Like back when I first started CrossFit, because that was what everyone was doing, which I find is completely opposite to this type of training we do. So but like, that's another story for another day. But I was trying to do that and I was like, no, I want food. Like I want pizza. I want, I want carbs because my body just feels like it. And I've never really been like a restricted dieter, which like I've never actually purposely restricted, if that makes sense. So I've always just been like, well, I feel like carbs. Like I feel like pizza. So I'd go and I'd eat it or I'd go, I'm always eating rice. Like grew up in Thailand. Rice girl. Are. Everything <laughs> is with rice in it. It's great. So of course, during CrossFit, I used to always eat rice and people would be, the other girls would be like, whoa it's carbs like literally they're smashing their bodies 
and they're scared of a little ball of rice. Like, how sad is that? But that we can blame on the whatever started the whole attachment of paleo and CrossFit. Like, it's the worst diet for CrossFit. But so when I started seeing that, I was just like, okay, so why do I like carbs? And I can eat carbs and it helps me feel better and perform better. But everyone else is like struggling with tiredness and fatigue and thyroid issues. So when I was doing my nutrition studies, and obviously you learn a lot about, you know, sports nutrition. So you learn a lot about the whole you know, glycogen and the type of exercise that requires glycogen. And I was like, this is CrossFit, literally, yeah. like yeah. to a T. Yeah. Yeah. And we're taking our carbs away. So that kind of just led me along. Like, I, it's funny, I found this Facebook status I wrote like probably eight years ago. And I was like, why are you guys afraid of carbs? This and this and this. <laughs> so I've been this carb promoter for ages. And now people are starting to catch on, like, you know, yeah. slowly, obviously, CrossFit athletes eat a lot of carbs now which is great but that kind of really led me into the working with females um, and particularly females who I said have that energy discrepancy going on so it might not be as severe as hypothalamic amenorrhea yet but that's oftentimes like not everyone has that happen to them and that's sometimes a like an end resort type thing whereas there's symptoms that someone's not fueling correctly leading up to that or some women might just start like losing their hair and all that kind of stuff so I was seeing this a lot with um CrossFit women and these aren't necessarily top athletes these are just your average day-to-day girls that love to train and it was sad and I would they would come in and they would say they just got their blood work done and they're like hypothyroid they started putting on fats like even though they're smashing themselves so obviously their whole entire metabolism slowed down um yeah and that like so I'm just like I'm super super passionate about that um it's just been my ever since then like even though I don't do CrossFit anymore I I'm so passionate about that so that's kind of what drives me every day with my work is just helping did you did you ever struggle with any of those things or because you've been eating carbs most of your CrossFit did you manage to avoid a lot of the burnout and stuff or what what happened with your body yeah So for me personally, I don't think I ever um, got to that point, but I often tell people I was unintentionally restricting, just didn't know how much I should be eating. I was extremely lean, like extremely lean without even trying. And that was literally just from the amount of CrossFit I was doing. Um, I was super strong, like I had a lot of muscle and I was super strong, but I do think that I could have been. I could have been a better CrossFitter and a better athlete if I had known what I know now um, in so many different ways. But, you know, just particularly starting with food, you know, making sure that I'm eating just enough because I feel like my calories at some point, some days when I was doing, you know, 5 a.m. starts, coaching CrossFit, training myself, coaching back in the evening, going to bed, just shoving something in my mouth to go to sleep because I was so exhausted surely like my calories would have been 1800 or probably even less some days. And that's, that's ridiculous, right. For the amount of training. So I think in that way, that would have probably hindered me a little bit. It would never have got to that point where I find with women, they, the ones who are purposely restricting because of, you know, their weight or their size, they're the ones that get in danger of getting to that point where it's really damaging because my body used to always, like I used to feel exhausted sometimes. And I would just know the next day I would have to eat, I would be eating a lot more food just intuitively almost yeah. because I wasn't restricting though purposely. Yeah. So I think it kind of was that safeguard for me. Um, but something that I did notice towards the end when I stopped doing CrossFit is I, I got psoriasis, which is like, um, you would know what it is. Um, but it's, yeah. So I got like 
cold through my hair and just it's obviously people say it's an autoimmune disease to me it's again an energy discrepancy energy deficiency disease That's like you just obviously your body's not performing well right I, yeah yeah I literally feel like I'm a younger version of you <laughs> And not yeah. that much younger because I don't think you're that much older than me, but exactly like exactly yeah. the same story in a sense with all the CrossFit stuff, but the psoriasis and the scalp issues and mine's probably only gotten better one when I got my periods back and two wow. saw doubt the Eastern dominance because that was seven yeah. years without periods just from wow. purely, you know, not exercising enough. But yeah, the scalp, the itchiness, and then all the skin stuff, which just came from high estrogen because my body was like, we are stressed Freaking as fuck. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then well, all the other things women struggle with, yeah, the constipation, the hair loss. How many women are losing hair? Oh, like that's just it's insane. And they're like, I don't know why. Like I don't know why. And then you have a look at what they're eating, and I'm like, you're not eating anything. How is your body gonna create or regenerate or anything? It's insane. This one girl that would she was so like consistent with her training, she was losing like clumps of hair, and I have a memory of um teaching a class like I was teaching a CrossFit class and I was looking around her and there was clumps of hair on the floor like it's ridiculous wow. I'm just like you need to go see like a, a dermatologist or someone but of course I'm not thinking like yeah. putting two and two together necessarily back then but yeah, yeah. Um, just- um so you transitioned from the CrossFit star which yeah I mean intense but amazing and it's fun and you know you're competitive as well I get that and you need a good driver but you transitioned from that into mainly strength training now but you do other you do a bit of cardio and things as well because some people are really like it's one or the other but I feel like you've created quite a nice hybrid Hmm. yeah so I stopped basically when I finished when I went fully online because I was getting really busy I stopped CrossFit coaching and that kind of I kind of stopped CrossFitting as well. I guess it was all the same time. And it wasn't specifically because I didn't want to do CrossFit anymore. It was just a time thing when you have to make the classes, you know, and you didn't work with my schedule. And I was really busy with my business at the time. So I just started, I just joined a regular gym and I was like, this will be fun, like something new. And I just started doing, I I bought like a few programs to start with, just bodybuilding. I knew, already knew all the basics because I had worked as a personal trainer before CrossFit. Um, and just, you know, did a few things. Then I got really interested in it. So I started like, you know, doing my own programs. And then I started doing it for my members, my own programs. Um, Like I'm very interested in the science behind it as well, but not just the science, but breaking it down into something that someone who doesn't really know anything can go, okay, so that's what I need to do in the gym to build muscle. Like it's a a practical thing they can do. So that's kind of what I was into. I would read the science and I'd read what other people said. And then I'd put my own spin on it. So I'd be like, okay, so this is what you need to do because this builds muscle. So I started doing programs in that. Um, but yeah, I've always been a big proponent of having, including some cardio in your training regime. Um, I think it's just like, take the three macronutrients, for example, you're not going to cut out one of them, right? It's the same. It's, you're going to be a well unless you have a powerlifting competition, which is like the one extreme end, or you have a endurance event, which is like the other extreme if you're literally not training for something that extreme, um, I think it's healthy to be somewhat well-rounded and people go crazy because they think of cardio, particularly women as high intensity F45 smashing themselves with their heart rates in that zone four, zone five. It's a stressed kind of a place to be, which is not bad. Like I think that there is some benefit even doing like I sprint that would be more power, but I do, I do think there's some benefit in doing like that zone four as well. But the problem with, 
people these days is that it's overdone. So that's like all they do, right? So if you're going from a stressed lifestyle and then you're going and you're smashing yourself in a CrossFit class and then you're going into your car and you're smashing your protein shake as you're driving. So your body's not even in that rest and digest state. And then you get home and then you have to put your kids to bed and they're screaming and you have to somehow smash some food and then you go to sleep. And if that's your cycle of day after day, that's basically in that sympathetic fight or flight mode, 24 hours a day, you won't even be in, in your sleep. You won't even get to the rest to digest properly. So I think that's where people like, there's nothing wrong with doing the high intensity. And I also think that's a bit overdone with people bagging it out all the time too, but people do that right on social yeah. media, like yeah. there's trends and then you just don't stop hearing about it. And so I, sometimes I'm, I'm naturally like, a bit, I've got a bit of sass. I'm a bit of a <laughs> rebel. So I'm, I sometimes like to bring up the other side as well. Like, Hey, yeah. sometimes some of that's good for you, but yeah, yeah. I'm just pro balance, you know, and not, and the thing as well, which I think is really important is that if you check your motive, which, which everyone should for their type of training, it should not all revolve around fat loss and burning calories. So yeah. if that's someone's motive, then that's, that's a problem in itself. Like, let's yeah. just start right there, yeah. you know? Yeah. So everyone's like, like someone wrote on my Instagram yesterday. Oh, but I don't, I didn't think we should do cardio for fat loss. And I was like, red light, like red flag. We're not doing cardio for fat loss. Like that's, you know, that's the first misconception right there. It's your diet can take care of your fat loss if you need to lose fat and, yeah. you know, general movement being active throughout the day, but your, your training shouldn't be for fat loss. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things I learned in your program, because like my whole life I'd been geared towards lots of cardio and staying really lean and, you know, just eating as little as possible to stay lean and stuff. But I came in with that mindset of, I want to exercise, but I want to get my period back. I don't want to overdo it. And coming in with that different mindset and going, okay, I need to eat to heal. I need to eat if I want to exercise rather than being like, I need exercise to deserve my food. Right. Like yeah. your program was the opposite. It was like, no, Sheridan, if you want to go into the gym, you got to eat some damn food because yeah. your body just can't handle it. And then the natural yeah. progression of that was, hey, I built muscle. Hey, I lost body fat. Hey, my period yeah, stayed regular. It. Like it's just, it's that flipping that mindset. Totally. And it's hard. It's really hard for women to do. And I tend to gravitate or work to work with those types of women who, it's a, it's a constant struggle sometimes. Yeah. And I know they're like, they want to quickly go and sneak in another session because they're worried about their drinks they had or whatever. So it's that constant mindset even, struggle. Yeah. Even just doing like, cause I did your strength specific program or I'm doing it, but even doing that where you're resting, you know, for like 90 seconds or something, I'm like, Libby, what am I doing? I'm just sitting here. Like, yeah. I'm just chilling out. I'm just looking around the gym. I'm looking at the ocean. I'm like, you know, like it's just, it's so mm -hmm. different because you'd go in with this wad and be like, right, it's, you know, for I'm time. doing a Tabata or I'm doing this or yeah, all for time or reps or go, 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 Even go. Moms, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I always say emoms are like for those type A women, they love, they gravitate yeah. towards that because it's literally, you've got a set amount of reps and then the next minute rolls around. So yes. It's funny. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, changing to that strength type training is so great. So do you see like the women who come into your program or change that mindset? Do you find you're pushing a lot of them to start strength training? Is there a lot of women who are just doing a lot of cardio or a lot of group fitness maybe? Mm -hmm. Group fitness is a big one. I would say when I, when I say someone's like a beginner or intermediate, it's more about what I consider proper strength training. So CrossFit is good in that, like if you go to a decent gym, which ours was good, but like if 
it has that strength training element in the beginning of the class. Well, it should normally, unless it's just all met ponds. But in that way, you know, a lot of women like, like I don't want to put CrossFit down because it, it was a huge part of my life and I do love it. And there's so much good in it. And I have like, I can still remember taking a complete beginner, like a 21 year old girl who had like spaghetti arms, <laughs> could not even lift, you know, those um, broomsticks, the dowels, oh, wow. could not even do an overhead squat with that. Right. Yeah. And then watching her just like blossom and flourish and snatching 60 kilos. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's incredible. Yeah. Like I've had that. I've seen like so many transformations in CrossFit with girls getting super strong. And I've seen more transformations in CrossFit than even just normal bodybuilding and all that, just because that environment also is that competitive environment where they're pushing you to do better. And if you have a group around you and you're going for a PB and they're just cheering you on, and it's just a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful community. And so in that way, I think that I would say they were properly strength training, but the thing that's often missing about CrossFit is they don't get that muscle development because it's just not that bodybuilding, those rep, that rep ranges, which is like, I would say between six to 15 is probably ideal rep ranges. So if you're doing like 80% of your one rep max for 15 reps, you don't get that much. Like in CrossFit, it was often, you know, go for a heavy set of three and then do two sets of five. And then it's your Metcon that's strength work. So it's not that much bodybuilding or, what, um, what would you call hypertrophy training? They don't have much hypertrophy training. So in that way, I think that they would come, even if they'd come from a CrossFit background and be strong, pretty strong, they would grow so much more muscle from doing, you know, proper periodized hypertrophy training. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that straight away, like um, doing, yeah, doing proper sort of, yeah, hypertrophy training. I was like, wow, I've never, I've never spent the time to do this before. It's always yeah. been, yeah, more CrossFit style stuff, which is great. Like I can move, I can, I'm happy with the barbell. I'm comfortable. I love it. But then to actually go, oh, I can actually see definition in my body that before I had but it was more just because I was lean as well there was Mm. muscle but I was quite lean but now I'm like I can hold a little bit more body fat but I can also have definition which is such a nice feeling as well yeah Um, because they do they do like so like if you look at the top athletes for example they're really jacked right but to it's almost like I tell people you can get quite jacked on a lot less volume because if you're doing proper hypertrophy training where you're working, you know, where you have high mechanical tension and you're working close enough to failure, you don't need to do that crazy amount of volume where they're smashing their body six days a week. And they probably like to get a lot of health issues from that, you know, unless they're fueling correctly, you can't keep that up for your forever. It's just, it's, yeah. it's insane. But so it's almost like, do you want to get that? Do you want to get those similar results from an easier option? Here's strength training. Here's yeah. hypertrophy work. Yeah. And the other thing is the lack of injuries I've had since doing your program is just great because I've always carried injuries from way too much boxing, shoulder, wrist stuff. And it's all just from doing more controlled movements and just, you know, time under tension and just proper stuff. I just find everything is just my hips have never felt so good. um, And shoulder is recovering and just everything that, yeah, you just tend to not I don't know, give time to rest when you're just in that smash and go, go, go. And you're not thinking about technique as much. It's there. It's definitely there and you need to have it, but it's not, it's not the way to heal injuries either. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different. 
Um, so let's talk about this on food tracking because yeah. this is something that I find is so controversial because when you first sometimes bring it up with people and I used to track uh, when I was doing CrossFit but it was like literally I knew nothing about macros really. It was it's just like, yeah. yeah, 1,200 calories. If I was under that, I felt like I was just winning at life. If I was over that, I thought, shit, I need to exercise more because I'm just going by that number. But then okay. obviously working your program that's all changed and that's flipped but can you talk a bit about why tracking is so important even though so many of us have aversions to it because time and also you know we just can't be bothered yeah yeah so I think also it's got a connotation attached to it that it equals obsessiveness and fat loss and weight loss but the thing is it doesn't it's not that's one of many reasons why we can why we should track or why I don't necessarily think people should track for the rest of their life Um, I just think it's a good idea to learn how to track and to learn how to do it efficiently and effectively because you can take that knowledge when you put your tracking app away and it will still benefit you greatly in just creating your meals like once you know what you know 30 grams of protein looks like more or less, you can eyeball that shit like easily. I mean, I could, I did experiment with my partner like a few weeks ago and I was like, okay, I'm going to write down without weighing or putting it in my thing. I'm going to write down my macros as I ate. So I wrote down everything. I'm going to do this as a post eventually, but I have to get around to it. And then at the end of the day, he had the thing and I was putting it in my, in my, um, chronometer and I was literally like 20 grams over like it was so spot on That's, and it's like yeah. it was amazing like I just use foods that I always eat so yeah it it first of all like that's huge like that I'm super passionate about this as well that they don't teach it in school like it's ridiculous like of course you're gonna have people growing up with you know no pro not eating any protein because like my daughter is doing you know high school now and she's learning about like what they call food tests, but they don't teach them. They teach them useless shit. Like they teach them about what different, I don't mean to sound bad, but they teach them what different religions eat. Right. And I get it. Like I get that, but that should be more like history or, you know what I mean? That's not really like, you know, there's this Jordan Peterson quote that basically says, make your own bed before you go out and try to fix the world. So it's almost like they're trying to teach these kids how to fix everyone else. And like how to make sure that when they go to a party, they're making vegan dishes and gluten-free dishes for those that can't. And everything's based around what other people need and how to fix everyone else. But they need to start with the kid themselves. Like, hey, this is a protein. Hey, this is a carb. You should, you know, and there's like none of that. And so I'm really passionate about that as well, because I feel like it literally has to start there. Like that's what macros is just food. So I'll get girls like high achieving successful women who literally can't balance their meals they don't know how to do it and they just never learned it so I think that if people can can you know I often say the fitness industry has like bastardized things because they've gone and made macros mean something which it's not which it doesn't it doesn't mean restriction so if people can understand that it's literally about like learning and educating yourself and that's a form of self-care really because you can 
balance your meals, you can be healthier, you can, and then you can help other people more. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, yeah I so. think that was a major learning curve for me when it was like, this is what you've got to eat. And I went, oh, this is different because I need to make sure I'm eating enough. I track my macros so that I eat enough and enough yeah. of the right foods and the blood sugar balancing. You're wondering why people got diabetes or PCOS or this and that. And you look yeah. at their, their balance of the macros, but there's, yeah, and they have no idea. Even if they no think idea. they're having a protein carbon fat, the ratio is usually so, and you're right, protein's usually so low in, yeah. in so many meals. Yeah, and if, you, if you're doing that day after day, then, I mean, your body is a reflection of your actions, right? So if you are having blood sugar issues, then I would say almost 100% you should be tracking your macros for a little while just to settle that and just to learn how to do it. Um, that's just like one, that's like one huge aspect. And then of course there's the body composition. Like there's, you know, there's a lot of people in the pro metabolic world who are saying, you know, I put on all this weight, I put on all these, um, healing pounds, but it's like, it's like, but have you tracked your food? Like, why don't you? And then they also try and they're all trying to talk about it. And it's like, well, I don't feel like I need it because it's not healing for me. And it's like, and it's just like, can we just bring it back to the basics and just be like, what are you eating? Because that's literally what reflects your body weight is the food you eat, the amount yeah. and the type. And I'm actually doing another post, which is because I've, I keep hearing from people about protein sources and how they are having a hard time hitting their protein without blowing out their fats. Right. Because I guess a lot of pro metabolic people are eating like high fatty meats and yeah. full cream dairy and all that. So what I've been doing is I've been tracking my fat soluble vitamins and my fat intake is 70 grams a day. Yeah. And I've been tracking my fat soluble vitamins. And I'm going to literally show people in a post how much retinol I'm getting and how much vitamin, like all the vitamins, yeah. vitamin E, retinol, vitamin D, all of them that I'm getting with 70 grams of fat a day. You don't like it's this whole more is not necessarily better. You yeah. just need the right amount. And if you're smashing your vitamins, with 70 grams of fat a day, why are you thinking that you need to have 150 grams of fat a day? That's just going to get stored as body fat. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't like it, you're going to have to stress your body to lose it because the deficit is stressful. So why are we putting it on in the first place? So that's another whole aspect of tracking macros. It's like just a little bit of control. Like you can control, you know, your intake you control your macros and you can make sure that you're also getting your vitamins and your nutrients and fiber a big one for people as well like even you know even with some of the pro metabolic stuff as well like i noticed at first it was a huge reduction of my fiber intake at first because i was like bah buy leafy greens i don't need that shit in my life anymore (laughs) not quite but you know and then i was like oh there's actually i can get it other ways yeah Yeah. exactly but yeah playing around with that balance and i think like the unique thing about you and what you're passion about is that it's not just macros like go eat chicken breast and rice and goodbye mm. you know kind of thing it's like hey actually let's make this pro metabolic and you've got goats in there and you've got lamb yeah. in there and yeah. you've got oysters in there and you've mm. got you know all this stuff that people go oh I wouldn't even have thought of having to track and plan that in because like you said our perception of macros is like restriction how little can I eat and how much broccoli That's and it. just yeah. rice and chicken rather than going how can I track and make it healthy? And I just love, yeah, I love that you pull that into it as well. But there's definitely this big resistance, which I guess I wish I could find more of a way to fight against the resistance without coming across like 
you know how there's like that other side of it you know people oh it's obsessive blah 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 blah. but there's this big resistance so I think sometimes that resistance is just a lack of understanding and people are scared of what they don't know so like because I did a couple just really short reels with tips about you know you don't have to I think one of them was like plan your day in advance and then hit your macros don't try and sort it all out at the end of the day because you, you'll, you'll be, it'll be impossible and then everyone was like you know light bulb moments and to me that's such a normal thing so I think it's almost that people don't have a basic understanding of how you can actually simplify it and make it simple um so there's this there's this resistance for sure um the, Which, the, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. The other thing is, is that um, because I always work with women with IBS and gut issues and bloating and stuff, and I've never actually, prior to your program, really got them to track before because I was just like, you know, they're eating such a limited ballpark yeah. of foods anyway. But what I figured now through doing your programs, I actually found some things because I would have gut issues from time to time still because I had like 10 years of SIBO and whatever. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I actually don't know what my triggers are anymore because there's a very small number of foods that I react to. But by tracking, I figured it out within a couple of days. I was like, yeah. oh, the gluten-free oats are not good for me at all. As soon as I pulled them out, everything's fine. Like it's just, it's really interesting. Now I've gone, shivers. I need to make my clients do this because one, yeah, it helps with even with stuff like that, with your gut stuff, with your triggers, you can pull things out. And because you know, and like you said, when you're planning it, like you have a basic idea, you you kind of know we're eating for the next couple of days. And yeah, if starches or rice, which are big ones, triggers for people as well, you pull them out, you track for a couple of days. And because, you know, you in your program, you do all that. You do your digestion and you do your bloating and you do, you know, heart rate and body temp and all that stuff as well. It's just so much bigger than how much yeah. is Sheridan eating and what are her macros. Yeah. And it's empowering, like, for women to to start to find the connections between what's going on in their body and the food or, you know, if they're doing too much exercise. Like, when you start to know how to figure this, these things out, it's super empowering. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, I guess the secondary thing about that is building muscle. So what do we need to be eating to build muscle? Because I feel like so many of the us go, oh yeah, it's protein. But then when it comes down to it, I think one of the biggest things I learned from you was the protein intake. So pre post exercise and stuff. So can you talk about that briefly for those who are exercising going, yeah, I eat enough protein, but is your timing on the timing of it? Yeah. So it's, I think that's really awesome that you're bringing that up as well, because a lot of people, if you're not tracking, you're not going to be able to see, you know, exactly how you're dividing your protein. And something that I've noticed right away from women who start my program is they tend to have like a pretty big protein intake at their last meal. So like it might be dinner, like meat and potatoes and the, the usual, then it'll be like a massive amount of protein there. And then the rest of the day, their snacks and meals, you know, it might be like 12 grams here or 15 grams here but we have what's called a leucine threshold. So it's basically, you know, two to three grams of high quality of leucine that comes in like high quality proteins. And to get that two to three grams, you need to have at least 25 grams of total protein. So it has to be a high quality protein as well. So you're thinking things like animal proteins, basically, right? So if you're getting a good solid 25 to 30 grams in each snack and meal, that means that within that 25 to 30 grams, you're getting that two to three grams of leucine. And you need that much minimum to 
switch on what's called muscle protein synthesis. And basically what that's doing is if you can keep that switched on all throughout the day, so say you're eating four meals a day or five meals a day, and you have 25 to 30 grams in each meal, you keep switching on the muscle protein synthesis, that's going to keep sending this signal to your muscles to keep growing. So it's basically utilizing some of that protein to grow muscle as opposed to, because obviously you'll use all the protein you eat. So if you're eating, you know, 12, 15 grams, you'll use it for other things. But if you want to actually have that benefit of boosting your muscle building throughout the day, then if you can just bump the protein amount up, not too much, just between, you know, for most women, I would say 25 to 35 grams per meal and, and snack every three-ish to four hours. Um, that will play a massive role in muscle building um, and just keeping that switched on all throughout the day. So it's that amino acid called leucine that basically that's, I, I like to say that's the muscle building amino acid because all the amino acids are really important, but they each have different purposes. Like we know glycine, for example, is extremely important for gut health and, you know, collagen production and skin and all that, but it doesn't do anything for muscle building. So that's another thing. A lot of women will have, like, they'll smash the collagen because they keep hearing about collagen and glycine and collagen and <laughs> constant. And it's like another, it's a bit of a fad, but it is important. I'm not saying it's not important. It's very important but it has a different purpose. So if you're just doing that and you're not getting complete proteins and you're not looking at your, you know, variety of proteins as well, then you're missing out on muscle building opportunities. You're missing out on building as much muscle as possible for the training that you're doing. So, yeah, yeah that was a massive, massive eye opener for me. Like that was huge when I went through that and I was like, what the, here I was thinking I was eating a bit of protein at each meal going out. There's probably enough in there, but the actual amount and then to have it consistently yeah. throughout the day rather than, you know, like brekkie, that'd be a bit, but lunch and dinner always, but you know, like your snacks and then the collagen thing. I was on a collagen protein powder for years because of, you know, gut issues. I was like, I don't want dairy and yeah. this and that. And once I kind of got my body to that point where I'm like dairy and now I flip, yeah, I drink so much milk and yogurt and whey yeah. and everything but yeah. yeah that whole idea and so many women like oh I'll, I'll just take collagen and I was like I didn't even you think about the fact that going oh yeah shivers it's not a complete protein yeah, yeah. and it's it, I always say it's like it's a supplement so it should be added it should yeah. be your complete source yeah. yeah so pre and post workout what's your recommendations on timing windows for women as well so if you can, I would say leave about two hours before you train. So if you can eat a nice complete meal two hours before you train, that's ideal. Um, and that would be, you know, just a good source of protein and animal source of protein, carbs, plenty of carbs. And then, you know, I always, I like to say, if you can track your fat before and after your training and you can keep it under 10 grams, that's ideal. It's not a huge issue, like if you're just having 12 grams of fat in the yeah. two hour meal before, but it's just a good guide, but I wouldn't be going with like, you know, a 30 gram, yeah. 30 grams of fat in your pre-workout meal, just because it takes a long time to digest. Um, and then the other thing is to not have too much fiber as well in your pre-workout meal. So the fiber and the fat should be on the lower end. You want to have, you know, a good, I, I often do double carbs to protein. I like to have more carbs. I prioritize carbs pre-workouts just because they obviously give you that glycogen and the energy that you need to perform well. So, you know, even three times the amount, sometimes yeah. I would go, you know, lots of carbs, moderate amounts of protein, like maybe 60 grams carbs, 30 grams protein, 10 grams fat. That yeah. would be like a nice pre-workout meal if it's two hours before. 
um, as it gets closer to your training session, like say you wake up early and you have to train within an hour, you just want to have something that's a lot quicker to digest. So that's where things like, you know, juice comes in handy. You could do like juice, with a little bit of whey protein, that type of thing. Um, you don't want to have anything that's going to be like a solid piece of steak or, you know, yeah. cause that will take too long to digest. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever tried training it's a really weird feeling if you've eaten like a big meal an hour ago and then you train, you can almost feel it sloshing around in your stomach, but you don't have any energy yes. because it hasn't even digested. Yep, totally. And I was, yeah, I, since tracking and then going, oh, this is one, finding that macro split, you know, the two to one with carbs and protein. Like I just feel so much better in the gym. And even training. though sometimes it's not like I was starving at like two o'clock knowing I was training at four and five, but I'd eat anyway. And then just feeling so much better and my recovery, yeah. like eating properly yeah. after as well. Whereas I'd be like, before I'd be like, how long can I go without eating? Or can I train on empty stomach? And now I'm like, yeah, always have juice or something beforehand because you're just, it's, it's amazing once you do it, you go, Cliff, I'm never sore. I recover well. I'm yeah. building muscle. And I feel, unless I'm really tired from lack of sleep or something else, you just feel so much better in the gym. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. And then post-workout is like equally important. I would say if you got a really good meal two hours before you trained, you don't have to worry about like smashing a protein shake the minute you finish training. Um, I would just make sure within the next hour or so that you have your next meal. So that would just be another meal. Again, prioritizing protein, your carbs don't have to be as high. I tend to go like higher carbs, moderate protein, low fat yeah. before. And then after I go moderate carbs, moderate protein, low fat. So kind of a little bit more of a um, closer ratio to the protein and carbs, because to me, like making sure you're replenishing the protein after you train is really important as well. Yeah. And um, that's, that's where tracking plays such a key yeah. role as well, because I look at like, say, if you post your breakfast or something, and I think I chatted about with you this the other day, and it's like, your breakfast is quite high in fat. And so is mine, yeah. because generally, unless I've gone for a swim or run or something, I'll change it up. But generally, I like, I've got to get my fat in the morning because everything towards the back end of the day is lighter in fat because it's yeah. around my training. But if you, if you're not aware of that, then you, and then you would never hit your 70 grams or you would just have a heap of fat throughout the whole day, not realizing that it could be impacting. Could slow down your digestion. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. I guess it's the same with carbs. If you're not tracking it, a, are you getting enough carbs in? Because we're so mm. scared of having too many carbohydrates. Yeah, it's it's huge for women. Like sometimes I like I'll put up my meals on Instagram and I'll get messages and it's you know sometimes it's close to like a hundred grams of carbs in my pre workout or whatever. And yeah, that's a lot. And not everyone wants to have that much or shouldn't have that much. But but then you'll see some people like have a little rice cake with yeah. tuna and that's their pre workout. It's like twenty grams of carbs. What is that? Yeah, like you're not gonna fuel shit. You're not gonna grow muscle. Like you need to. You definitely need to start, you know, if you obviously don't go crazy, if you've had really low carb for a few years, but start building it up slowly and it will make the, a world of difference in your body composition as well. Like yeah. you'll just feel different. You'll feel more that jacked feeling, that pumped up feeling. You won't get that at all if you're low carb. You just feel flat all the time. And everything else then, isn't it? It's, yeah, your energy, your sleep, your recovery, your sex drive, your hormones, your hair. It's just, I'd 
yeah, I just go, oh man, like how did we do that to ourselves for so it's long? And oh oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, thank you. Now, what I'm going to say is that your everything you have spoken about today, you share so well on your Instagram. Like it's just, I yeah. feel like every post I'm like, save it, save it, save it, send it, send it, send it. So I can always link people to it. But Thank you so much for all the information you put out there on Instagram because you're just creating awareness and you're actually giving solid information that someone can save and go, hey, these are some good forms of protein or that whole, you know, lysine thing, how much to hit at each meal, the 25 yeah. grams or how to track easily and stuff like that. Like your content is just so on point and so phenomenal for so many people. Like just thanks Thank for you. doing that. <laughs> Oh, you're welcome. I love it. So for anyone listening, head over to, is it, it's just your name, isn't it? Is it it's just Westland? my name, Libby Westland, yeah, with yep. no dash or anything. Yep. So I will pop that in the show notes. Um, obviously, I'll continue to tag you and share you on Instagram so people can find you. Um, but I'll pop that in the show notes. I'll pop your website in the show notes. They, they're the best ways to get in contact with you, isn't it? Instagram mm-hmm. is probably Instagram is probably the best because it has my email address as well. And yeah, it's yes. my favorite place to be like as far as social media I don't really use Facebook much so yeah, yeah yeah and for anyone listening who goes you know maybe I can't afford diamond and do food and nutrition please even look at doing the strength training or just the training programs because mm-hmm. the uh your monthly fuel your is monthly that what it's fuel yeah yeah amazing like even the the programs are really good you've written them all so well the app is easy to use like it's just you know like I was saying to you at the start if I transition in and out of diamond depending on what I want to do with body composition but it's just having that having it done for you each day and going I don't just need to rock up to another group fitness class and smash myself and not feel like I'm getting any results and not building any muscle Doing yeah. something that's got a bit more structure is just, it's just a game changer. Mm, yeah. And I'll, I try and tell you guys like when to increase the weights and when to progress, because I know that's often, you know, women tend to be a little shy about that sometimes. So you have that little push in the program to tell you when to do it. So there's that progressive overload built in, which is really key for building muscle. Yep. Yep. Amazing. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for jumping on today. Thank you for for everything you shared. Um, And thanks for creating amazing programs. And yeah, just, it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been so great. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. If you know a female who needs some empowerment, please forward, repost, tag or share, and let's get women talking.